Blog Talk Radio. Fringeradionetwork.com slash donate. We don't need your money to survive. We pay for the network with our own hard-earned cash. But if you want to help us grow and reach more people, just go to FringeRadioNetwork.com slash donate. For a donation of $20 or more, we'll send you a free network t-shirt. FringeRadioNetwork.com slash donate. program. We are your host, Aaron and Matthew Miller, and uh, boy, uh, this is the second try. Uh, the first try had a little bit of technical difficulty, so this is important enough that, well, we're just doing the show twice, and it's really, you might say that it is a part two to the Harrowing of Hell episode, Yeah. and this is what we're trying to cover here today. There's different cycles of time for prophecy. Uh, we know that, um, well, we know the 70 weeks. Daniel uses weeks. We know that there's a 70-year prophecy. In the book of Enoch, there's 70 generations. At the end of the day, can we calculate what this this quanta of time really is. What happened? Why has it been set up? What's going on? Aaron, your opening comments, please. Okay, so I've been, I looked at Matthew's, Matthew's genealogy in the beginning of the uh, first chapter of Matthew, and it gives you the story of um, the genealogy of Jesus in sevens. So you have 14 generations. It points out that there's 14 generations from Abraham to uh, to David, 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile, uh, 14 generations from the Babylonian exile to Christ. Uh, that's 42. Um, 42 generations and the 70 generations mentioned in Enoch just kind of rung some bells in my mind. Um, my dad brought this question to me one, uh, about what the 70 weeks mean, and I said, uh, pointed out how Ezekiel says 70 years, and how Enoch says 70 generations. I was quite familiar with that. It's referred to in the book of Enoch in chapter 10 that that Michael was commanded to uh, cast the fallen angels into the abyss for 70 generations. So I'll just read that from, from verse 11. And the Lord said to Michael, Go bind Semyaza and his associates who have united themselves with women so as to have defiled themselves with them in all their uncleanness. And when their sons have slain one another, and they have seen the destruction of their beloved ones, bind them fast for seventy generations in the valleys of the earth, until the day of their judgment and of their consummation, until the judgment that is forever and ever is consummated. Um, this is from uh, Charles, Arch Charles' translation. So, basically we are told that for seventy generations this would happen, and I wasn't entirely sure what this well, they were referring to when they said generations here, and um, 
so I never really looked at it for sure. I know that uh, I had always suggested that a lot of times in, when the word generation was used in the book of Genesis, it was referring to years uh, before the flood, and uh, basically figured out that the earth uh, revolved around the sun five times faster. The, the the years would have been 73 days long, and each week would have been, uh, each month would have literally been six, six days. Right. So, literally at that, at that speed, you realize that one week would have cycled the phases of the moon. It would have chronicled, on a weekly basis, God's creation week. You would have had no, no consternation on the Sabbath day the moon would have been full. And the very next day, on Monday, it would have went back to a new moon. And he would have created his cycle using the faithful witness purely on a weekly basis. And it would have been magnificent by design. So, hooking those dates up, you, you start crunching numbers, correct? Yeah. So, basically, I figured this out. First, this actually happened. I actually studied this a few years ago. When, when I was trying to figure out, well, why are, why would, you know, Adam wait 130 years to have Seth? Or why would, you know, why would Jared wait 162 or whatever years to have Enoch? Why would they wait that long? So, so I was like, so based on fertility rate, I um, figured that uh, divide by five times to get, and it had a more reasonable age based on fertility rates. So I also, because of that, I went and um, just divided each age by five. And lo and behold, when it says that, uh, that Noah, when he, when the earth came, uh, when the flood came on the earth, when he was 600 years old, 600 divided by five is 120. And that points you straight to Genesis chapter six, when God says, uh, that in verse 2 it says my spirit will not strive with man forever his days will be 120 years so basically you're told there that God was going to change the speed of the earth and then you see uh, so, so the the ages in the, of the people before the flood known as the antediluvians it's recorded in Genesis chapter 5 Genesis chapter 11, we're told about the how old people got after the flood, and people slow, like people started, seemed to slowly die sooner and sooner. And by Abraham, then they, the ages were, um, pretty much like they are now. So I figured that it must have been by Abraham was when the Earth is at the same speed that we have it today. But. I mean, we can't even know for sure how, how fast the Earth was moving around the Sun, you know, or how slow it was moving after the Flood, because it just was a gradual decrease, it seems. Which absolutely makes sense, because when you're on a zero-degree axis, you realize that the scapegoat has pulled the Sun off of the ecliptic by seven to eight degrees. That's where we know to look for Planet Nine. That's how they know where to look for it is on that angle off the ecliptic. So, with that in mind, everybody needs to realize that once, once, just like a boat in the water, if you have a raft that's square, you're not going to go very fast, correct? You've got a lot of drag. When you take that bow and point it up like an arrow, you're going to streamline through the water. Okay, so this is exactly what drag is going to be released when the entire solar system goes up to a zero-degree axis. And we're literally going to book through the heavens. So all of this makes absolute sense that that's what he was talking about. So now you have calculated to the back of your reckoning this this how many seconds, how many you know minutes, how many hours are in this generation thing. We call it years now. Yeah. So. What are you calling this thing? What are you calling this quanta of time? 
Well, Sumerian kings always referred them uh, to them as sars. Uh, that quanta time seems to be slightly uh, a lot different. The best that I could find is, is Toledot, or Toledoth, which is Hebrew for generations, but not generations as in referring to the birth of a human. Generations mm. as in, you know, it's generated a circuit around the sun, I guess. Right, right. Uh, and I figured that because um, in Genesis, chapter 6, so, in Genesis chapter 6, it says that Noah was uh, was blameless in the sight of the Lord in all his generations. So, here in verse 9, you know, uh, just hit that 8 right there. So, it literally says generations. In all of his generations, Noah walked with God. How did Noah wa walk with God, you know, within more than one generation? if you're talking about literal generations. So that's how I figured that that must, must have been what they were referring to. Instead of saying, walk, walked with the Lord all his days... Which is normal for the scripture to use. Yeah. That's what's normal. Here, it, it doesn't. So you're saying that this is a literal time frame. Yeah. This is not a year as we know it, because to us, a year has 365 revolutions of the earth per every time we go around the sun. That's what a year is. So you can't call this thing, you can't say that uh, in Genesis chapter 6 verse 9, these are the records of the generations of Noah. He was a righteous man, blameless in his time. In his, in his time. Telling you right up front, it's a different time. Noah walked with God. Noah became a father of son. Hampshire, yada, 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 yada. You keep running into this that what he's saying is it was a different time. All of his generations didn't say all of his days, all of his years, because that's not what it was. It's technically calling the days of Noah a generation. Yeah. So, I, I just had kind of a question there. Could the celestial events that caused the flood have caused the elliptical orbit of the earth around the sun? Could it have been more circular before then? Okay, which one? Now, define. Could have what have been more circular? Before the flood, could the orbit of the Earth around the sun have been more circular? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and everybody needs to understand it. Our orbit is... It, yes, the orbit is not a perfect circle. It's not. We have times when we're further away from the sun and times when we're closer to it. Most people don't realize that. But not only is it not a perfect circle, it's offset. The sun is not in the center. This is why the book of Revelation, in talking to the churches, because they are also the seven planets, they have fallen from their former height. What he's saying is that in the beginning, when you go up to zero degree axis, all the mechanics lock into place. Everything becomes perfect and your orbit will not only be a perfect circle around the sun, it will be perfectly centered on the sun. Yeah, so, so could this be the reason why it uses the wording generation? Because basically the revolution would have been different, technically. Because it would have been more circular. And I know the Book of Enoch is very clear. It continually refers to the celestial objects as having a circuit. A, continually, yes, yes. And... Like I said, that is key critical to understanding the celestial mechanics behind the seven planets for the seven churches in the opening books of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. How they have fallen is this circuit is no longer a circuit. It's really an egg that's offset. And remember, it's getting worse and worse and worse, Aaron, especially Mercury. We know that eventually Mercury is going to be so bad it's going to either collide with Venus... If it don't hit Venus, it will eventually hit us. It, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. So the farther time marches on, the worse our orbits are no longer a circuit, as in circular. So it gets worse and worse as it goes along. So this is a good thing you locked on, that, that, that you realize that in its perfection, it would have had to been called one thing. And that thing 
was the thing that no one knew. So the only way you could translate that using, you know, thousand-year-old languages is to say Noah in his generations, multiple. Well, he was he didn't live more than one generation. He was just one man. One man can't live more than one generation. That's what a generation is. It's telling you that circuit was perfect, and that was the name for it. So having that locked in, you realize that that that. Let's talk about that for a minute. He states in the book of Enoch that the bad boys would be locked down for 70 generations. Give me your ideas on what that actually meant. Has that expired yet? Or has that time not yet come for him to be unleashed? Yes, so if, if he said 70 generations, then that would mean he would be released a lot sooner. Uh, you divide... 70 by 5, what do you got? Right, 14. What, you, you have to realize that that automatically locks you back into Matthew. What does Matthew say? 14, continues says 14 generations. 14, 14, 14, it cycles back around. 14. So, with that, uh, so, just so you all know, the generation genealogy found in Matthew is incomplete. It only starts with Abraham. But Luke, in chapter 3, verse starting verse 23, it gives you all the way from Jesus back to Adam. So, and if, and so I just kind of toyed around with that and started counting heads and it took and from Jesus all the way back 70 generations it takes us to Methuselah Methuselah the son of Enoch and Methuselah if you check out if you calculate all the dates he would have died just about the same year the flood came right and that would have been when the angels were bound right so Basically, you have, so literally, was it saying these angels were bound up for all the way until Jesus, and Jesus did something to intervene. Now, you know scriptorally, you absolutely have evidence of that, beyond any shadow of a doubt. And this is one, oh my goodness, most denominations will come out and just say that the biblical text is lying. Jesus never harrowed hell. I mean, they absolutely reject it. Absolutely reject it. As a matter of fact, if you even insinuate that, in a lot of churches in this nation right here, those denominations, they will expel you from church. You will get expelled from church. So, can you elaborate on that text, Aaron? Um, which text? The one that he does the harrowing of hell. Okay, so the harrowing of hell comes, is, appears in our scripture. Uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, starting verse 19 uh, to 20. It says, In which he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah, during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Through the water. So there are two. Uh, there are um, two prevailing interpretations of this. I'm not sure which one I would uh, I would ascribe to. One of them is that Jesus went to the spirits in Hades and preached to the dead humans who had not heard the gospel. And that is, that's, that ha makes sense, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And the second one is that Jesus preached to the fallen angels. Okay. Stop the bus. Why on earth would he do that? Well, if they wanted to be saved, who would they have to come to? Exactamundo. But... You got a problem here. 
You're insinuating. Now, 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 let's just back up a minute. Are you talking about the fallen angels or their Nephilim spawn? The fallen angels themselves is what people usually say. Can we know for sure? But I don't know. But, I mean, that would correspond to the 70 generations that would be found there. But, um, before we go any further there, um, the Gospel of Nicodemus, we were looking at that, um, it holds that the interpretation that God preached to the human spirits. But it tells you this. While the Prince of Hell was thus speaking to Satan, the King of Glory, being Jesus, said to Beelzebub, the Prince of Hell, Satan, the Prince shall be subject to thy dominion forever in the room of Adam and his righteous sons who are mine. So basically, Jesus chains up Satan and puts him under authority to Beelzebub. So how is this possible if Satan is, you know, described in, you know, Revelation and all the other epistles? So, um, it also, the same thing, um, appears in the Gospel of, of Bartholomew. I don't know where I stand on the authenticity of that, but it says, then did I, Jesus speaking, enter in and scourged him and bound him with chains that cannot be loosened and brought forth thence all the patriarchs and came again unto the cross. So, basically, Jesus is referring, is saying that he bound up Satan. Who, um, so, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this in former shows, but that Azazel is a Satan. He's one of the, uh, Angel, one of the seven angels who served Satan, one of referred to the seven heads of the dragon in the book of Revelation. Um, so Enoch refers to them as the Satans, plural. So could this Satan being referred here actually be Azazel being bound again? Well, let, let, the that's let's discuss that first. Your baseline of authority is this: who bound him the first time? Michael. So you know beyond any shadow of doubt. Now there is a time restriction on angelic authority. They are not the king. So this is a fantastic uh, 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 data point that we have now. We know that angels' authority is time based. That time frame is 70 generations. Now, this is key critical as to when this time runs out. Who does Satan fight with? Michael. Michael. As everything comes full circle. Now everything's coming full circle, right? So Christ the King dies at the perfect moment in time. Just when he's about to be unleashed... He's lashed on to, again, by the king, whom has no restrictions to his authority, temporally speaking. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So basically, we do know this, that in the Gospels, there were some explosions of demonic, uh, demonic activity. Something, I mean, it still happens today, but, it, but like in the area that Jesus was, it was mm -hmm. everywhere. I mean, right. there were... You know, it, like hundreds of thousands of people possessed by demonic entities, and everybody knew, knew about it. And so, was, were these spirits reacting to this temporal release of, uh, of these fallen angels? I mean, the, like the demons who possessed that man, called themselves Legion, said, uh, beg Jesus not to cast them into the abyss. So, put an L at the end. Mm. So, something that you might see in a lot of your translations is that uh, most of you probably know this entity as Beelzebub. That is um, Jerome's mix-mash of the Hebrew version and the Greek version of the name are basically two different things anyway. Right. Uh, Bozabub means Lord of the Flies. Beelzebub means 
uh, Lord of the high places. Um, and so, who is this entity for sure? So, um, what if you'll... I remember one time my brother asked me that question. He asked me, who, is, who do you think Beelzebul is? And I remember, remembered, I would read in the notes of my Bible, oh, that's Satan. It's another name for Satan. So, so we brought it to Dad, and he told us something else. Uh, wrong answer. No, 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 no. He is the heir. He is the anointed firstborn son of the scapegoat. He is a Zazzle's only begotten son, you might as well say. That KJV-ism you got going on with only begotten. He is the heir and the anointed of a Zazzle. Yeah. That's what he is. And so this this entity, uh, Beelzebul, who appears in, um, uh, in the Gospel of Nicodemus as being the Prince of Hades, mm -hmm. or of hell, he, um, I, I mentioned that, um, in Enoch chapter uh, Enoch chapter 69 here let me bring that up we have a very interesting entity mentioned a very interesting entity named uh, Tabayet so you have in uh, verse 18 it says uh, the the stroke which is given in the midday of the offspring of the serpent whose name is Tabayet Tabayet is actually the um, the Ethiopic word for male and I knew that what the Hebrew word for male is so I'll bring the video back in which video? okay alright alright yeah. What am I? What am I doing? Flipped oh. over. Flip, flip it over. Okay. So, the word for male in Hebrew is sakar, spelled like that. Okay. So this is well known that the parables of Enoch, which is where this chap, where this chapter comes from, is uh, extremely corrupt very badly altered so um and once i it finally clicked with me that zabul looks like this and i found i mean you could very easily confuse them right yes especially if it was a fragmented text Especially if it was damaged by water damage or whatever. Yeah. Especially on papyrus. So, so, could it be saying that the son of the serpent was Zabul? Or, that's the shortened name of Beelzebul. That appears in uh, Judges, if you, any of you would like to check that out. Judges chapter 9, the entity appears shortened as Zabul. So, And this also lets you know that the serpent, um, Satan's uh, agent whom he sent, was likely Azazel. Um, right. And so basically, all the sin of the world is blamed on Azazel. And now you basically know why. He was not only the one who taught the sins and uh, to mankind, and brought the uh, the Nephilim here, but he also was the one who caused the fall of man in the first place. So, when you refer to Satan in the Bible, I guess it's a pretty broad term. That there is more than one Satan. You can refer to the Satan. Right, the one that's prince over the earth. Yeah, prince over this world. And then his Satans. His Satans, right. His, his heads. Uh, we know that from the Bible multiple times that Satan has uh, these seven heads, right? Yeah, they're also referred to as the kings of the earth. Right. So, um, and basically, five of them have already fallen. They're mentioned here in this chapter, um, uh, Enoch chapter 69. Well, 
what what is more important here is that you take note that this great big explosion is happening at the time of Christ in anticipation. Literally, this rewrites theology. What you're alluding to here is the reason why there was explosion in this demonic anticipation for the release of the scapegoat. So, you literally have this knowledge encoded into the text uh, right here in Matthew. Uh, he states quite plainly, the Pharisees, but when the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man cast out demons by Belzebul, the ruler of demons. Once again, we have one of these data points that's right there. They're admitting to you, this is true text. This is true. They really did know Belzebul was the prince of demons. They knew that. They knew it. And they thought this explosion was because Jesus, right at the perfect moment in time, the 70 generations was getting ready to be undone. And when Christ died, you have this earthquake, right? You have these celestial events, right? Mm hmm did was it perfect timing the exact time he gave up the ghost and entered into Hades is when Azazel was unleashed from the abyss he immediately snags him up chains him back up and throws him back down there yeah and it made until you, Christ time until you know the father decides now and something while well, we were having this conversation finally clicked in me First John chapter 4, verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God, that is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard that is coming and is now already in the world. Which makes you take deep pause now, because now, boy, that, that carries weight now, doesn't it? Now all this, now it makes sense to you, doesn't it? And it's a scary thought that you step back and realize that's why we had legion. That's why we had uh, the all of this demonic activity outbreak right at the inception of Christ. Yes, this was them trying to. This was the advent of supposed to be the return of their Messiah, in a sense, or their guy, who Bingo, who is Azazel. But, you know, Jesus, why did he come when he came? You know, there, I mean, why would there be, you know, far, like 400 years of silence until Jesus finally comes? And so, yeah, pretty hit, uh, hits pretty well. Um, so here, um, we, I actually heard this guy, about this guy from a math, math teacher of mine, and he um, pointed out how this, this, uh, this, person, Ivan Pav Panin, was a, he was a mathematician, and he was, he set out to prove the Bible to be false by reading the original texts, reading the Hebrew and the Greek. Right. He was converted by doing that, because he understood alphanumerics. That's right. And so, when he found, especially in the, um, in Matthew chapter 1's genealogy, the, the multiples of seven, everything is a multiple of seven in that whole mm -hmm. genealogy. There's the number of nouns is a multiple of seven. All the words are a multiple of seven. All the uh, consonants, multiple of seven. All the vowels are a multiple of seven. It was nearly impossible, pretty much impossible for a human to do. Right. And once he realized that, once he once he realized that was just off the hook. But uh, let's skip down here. Um, you have to realize that his mathematical, well, his alphanumerics are just off the hook. But anyway, that being beside the point, he figured out just with the genealogies you're talking about, just Matthew's fourteen cycles. Just, just, just taking that, realizing uh, uh, that was just off the hook. That what you're saying with this time dilation or saculum of time, this this generation, uh, 
it makes the biblical text explode. It makes it make sense, right? This is really what it does. It makes all these things make sense. And let's go ahead and do a plug. Uh, how does LA say it? A shameless plug. Let's do a shameless plug for uh, Aaron's future works. You can, of course, get uh, his uh, Book of Enoch, a Greek-English interlinear of the Arkham Fragments key to Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, let's look at your future works. It is because of what Pannon did there, uh, his alphanumerical work, that it's pretty easy when you realize how many uh, books we're going to add into, what do we call this? Um, uh, right now I'm just referring it to it as the Deuterocanon, the second canon. The second canon. Secondary is the best wording, because we don't hold it to the same standard as the scripture, we hold them separately, but they are still inspired, in my opinion. Well, we decided to, to put the cap on that. We'd argue back and forth, argue back. But when you look at the technical data, uh, he proved beyond any shadow of a doubt that it's in cycles of 11. There's so many, just on the English, well, just on any translation, the surface of the text, it's off the hook how many 11s are encoded into it, right? So if you take the 66, you're going to add a cycle of 11s into it. What did you come up with? I came up with 33 more. The, um, I, I just basically looked over all of my um, all, all of my canon that I had put together, the texts that I'm working on, found 30, about 33, um, and that's also, and that makes 99 books of the Bible. And I said, that's almost a hundred. What's the hundredth book? <laughs> uh, first off, let me get this from you. Did you like my response? It was, yeah. It is the one book. It is the book first mentioned by Moses. He's, he's arguing with the Lord. The Lord's mad. He's getting ready to wipe him out. He's tired of it. Moses steps in and says, no, spare them that blot me out of your book. The book of life, that is the hundredth book. So now prophetically, even the 99 sheep makes sense, correct? Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it's going to be. So Enoch is already one, so you're going to add 32 more others to that. Can you give us some volumes they already know that you're currently working on Jubilee? So what's some of the other books that you're going to put together for the uh, Book of Covenant I put that I reconstructed that from the life of Adam and Eve and from parts in the scripture I uh, reconstructed the Book of Noah to the best of my ability and um, we there's also Genes and Jambres which many people may have never even seen uh, right before it's right. very I, I paid a pretty high price, but the help from some friends on Facebook, I was able to pay for this text and a few others by which I could have the most complete canon um, that you have. I also have the Apocalypse of Elijah, um, right, right. and so uh, also it includes all the Deuterocanon in the Septuagint, so that has like Tobit and Judah, so right. all of those, including a bunch of other ones. The next book that I'm going to be doing is going to be the uh, apocryphal Pentateuch, the, the the apocryphal five books of Moses that includes Jubilees and the Covenant and uh, Eldad and Modad and uh, Deneb and Jambres and um, the Assumption of Moses. Off the hook. Well, uh, good that our uh, listeners. Um, and viewers, of course, uh, this is also going up on YouTube, but we've got to do another shameless plug, amen, for the Fringe Radio Network. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if uh, you want to get the audio-only version, and this is the mainstay home uh, for Christian Conspiracy Theory, is Fringe Radio Network on uh, Spreaker. You can also uh, go to FringeRadioNetwork.com. 
but uh, this is the mainstay. Um, go down. You can uh, check out all the episodes. They're all here. Um, oh my goodness, it's been a long time since we go all the way back to the first one, all the way, all the way back to the Book of Enoch and the Fallen Archangel. But uh, let's check one out here. Um, let's go to Nimrod. Uh, open this one up. Uh, you can go. Um, get it, of course. Uh, you can uh, sign in if you got an account, and uh, you can comment on it. Uh, but it's pretty easy to do. Also, on uh, the YouTube uh, channel, uh, if you go to the playlist, you can go to Christian Conspiracy Theory. There it is, but it's got all of our stuff there. And uh, Oh, I've been also doing videos um, every day on my way to work. Uh, I've been doing uh, videos as well. So, uh, you can also find... All that Aaron's published papers uh, are here on according to the scripture.wordpress.com. His latest one, uh, Fire Divided. Oh my goodness, that was a good one. Um, <laughs> this one's a good one. Uh, okay, all right, I'm just going to quit scrolling because they're all good to me. Uh, you can catch us on uh, Facebook. Just look up Matthew Miller 49, that and Twitter. Uh, you'll be able to find this lickety split. So. Uh, with that in mind, uh, oh my goodness, Aaron, we have covered a lot of ground. Now this generation makes sense. It's a time frame as to why time was different during the days of Noah. We realize that this makes sense as to why there was this outbreak and, it, and Belzebul just keeps being blamed. And the Pharisees readily admit not only that, not only that, we go back to the text itself, and uh, you will see that, uh, let me just read it here uh, from Matthew chapter 12. But the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man cast out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, before I go, take note, Aaron, he doesn't disagree. He never disagrees, ladies and gentlemen. Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If by Beelzebul cast out demons, uh, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then will plunder his house? You must take note. No consternation here, Aaron. Did Jesus ever say, No, Beelzebul isn't the prince of demons. Did he ever say that? You will take note that it said, Satan cast out Satan. But then it switches it up. You realize it divides from Satan and Beelzebul. Beelzebul cast out demons. Did you catch that? Plainly stating, Satan is over the Satans. Amen. What word is that in Greek? Diabolos. What about demons? What's the uh, difference? Daimonian. Okay, so Daimonian and Satan is casting out what? What, Satan's? So, he's clearly dividing the power structure, correct? No doubt about it. We can bring up the word right here and just flip it over to the uh, Greek, of course. Go to the Edito Regia. Let's click on... Let's get the Bible view options. Let's do Strong's and let's do Morphology Code so we can see exactly what is being stated here. So, here, Satan's, a Satan. And you take note that is extremely different than Dominion North, Diabolos. You understand, he's dividing against it what is casting out what here. And once again, uh, to the point, and we could just tear through this 
this whole thing, which there's really no need to do that. You realize that Jesus in his statements is stating emphatically there, Belzebul really is the prince of demons. And he really does have authority on him because he is the heir, firstborn son of the scapegoat, Azazel. We might be doing that show next. Yes, we might be doing that show next indeed. Um, oh my goodness, a whole lot to talk about there, huh? Um, so, we're obviously going to have to do another show on Saturday, right? Um, or, I mean, on Sunday, Easter. i got to work tomorrow, but... Yeah, we definitely, yeah, we definitely need to do a show for our Lord. Definitely, uh, definitely, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, we do. But I just realized what Jesus was talking about when he said the mighty man taken away by plunder. Oh no! Um, I, I, I did. <laughs> okay, all right, go, go ahead. You can jump. Isaiah on. chapter forty-nine, verse twenty-four. Can the prey be taken from the mighty man, or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? Surely, thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty man will be taken away, and the prey of the tyrant will be rescued. For I will contend with the one who contends with you, and I will save your sons. Um, you switch over to the Septuagint, what does it say for mighty men? Uh-oh. Gigantes. Gigantes, and who? So it was basically. This is why he was referring to the mighty men, the demons. Yes, the, the demons are. Oh my goodness, the demons are the gigantes. Yeah, and that's basically what you got there. Um, right, right. He's basically coming out and that, that, but you can't see it there in English. Let's read it again. Or how can anyone enter the strong's man house? and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man. That's right. And then referring to Jesus going down into and harrowing hell, I'm telling you, it was a beautiful time. Everything is only beautiful in its time. It was perfect timing. Michael's restraint had run out. His judgment was ended at 70 generations. He's an angel. He does not have the power to make a lasting or permanent judgment. So now, everything makes sense, right? Now, literally, everything makes sense why this generation was encoded throughout the Scripture. Now, let's go back to the one that died right at the flood. You said Methuselah, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, how does this further make sense? Who is his son? Uh, Lamech. Okay. So, what's your thoughts tying this in, these events, with when the earth was divided? Explain. Okay, so, Daniel chapter 9, it says that the six, 62nd week of the 70 weeks, mm -hmm. the Messiah was cut off. 62 generations from Jesus back goes to Peleg. And um, it says, in that time, the earth was divided. The earth was divided. And that's um, likely based on what uh, Acts chapter 2 has to say about the dividing tongues. It's referring to the Tower of Babel. Right. And that was the second incursion, the second fall of the angels. So, you realize there that uh, uh, and who was who was after Peleg again? Um... The son of Peleg was, well, the uh, Peleg was the son of Heber. Heber. Hebrew. Yeah. Hebrew. So you realize what he's saying is, uh, and everybody might want to check out uh, Aaron's latest article over there on, uh, according to the scripture.wordpress.com, the fire divided, because, well, boy, it'd be a good backdrop story for this. But, yes, literally... Uh, what's being stated there is the languages was divided at Peleg. That's why it goes back 
62 generations. So now that makes sense, right? Yeah. Literally everything. Jesus was... Um, so basically, we're saying that the angels from the first incursion were released at the 70th generation. The angels from the second incursion were released at the same time. Bingo. That's exactly what's being stated. So now temporally, the timeline makes sense. Okay? So, Aaron, how can they get a hold of you with questions and or comments? You know what? Ladies and gentlemen, you can even get a signed copy of Aaron's translation of Enoch. How can they get a hold of you? Um, uh, you can get a hold of me on Facebook, for sure. I'm under Aaron Miller. Um, I'm, of course, friends with my dad on there. Also, um, you can get... <laughs> You can also get me on Instagram, uh, punkmo uh, underscore rocker, so P-U-N-K underscore R-O-C-K-E-R. That's where you can find me on there. And yeah, we're just looking right here as my last post. One of my last posts of was on when Jesus quoted the book of Enoch, and it actually blew my mind. Right, it, it, it's actually off the hook good stuff, so yeah, that's the latest. That's my last post because I'm um, pretty upset with especially Facebook because, uh, you know, I, I, I got your mom's phone and scrolled down and scrolled down. I went six days and she'd never seen a, that I posted anything. That is censorship off the hook when my own wife that lays in my own bed isn't even allowed to see my posts. So, you know, pretty well, um, that's just, you know, it just, it just is what it is, but it's a good way to get it, get in touch with both of us. Uh, so, you do a lot of stuff on Instagram, though, right? Uh, yeah, I've had a few people, I mean, I, I usually don't do any, like, Bible studies and stuff on there, but you can all, uh, but you can direct message me on there, and I can, you know, that's a good place to get a hold of me as well. I talk to people on there. I've had a few people message me and ask me about, you know, scriptures and things. So, good deal, good deal, good deal. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, I do hope you enjoyed. Um, please do like, share, and subscribe. And remember, sharing is caring. So please uh, share the episodes uh, wherever you can. Uh, if anybody shoots you questions in lieu of those posts, well, just uh, tell them how to get a hold of uh, Aaron and I, and we'll be happy to uh, explain. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, God bless, Godspeed.